You're listening to the Story Shout Podcast, hosted by Kelsey Jones. We're a weekly podcast dedicated to destigmatizing failure and laughing at our normalcy. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Story Shout. My name is Kelsey Jones, and I am your host here on the podcast. And today I have Jeffrey Wilcoxon. He's someone that I've worked with at NP Digital, and he has over 20 years of experience in digital marketing. And so I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you, Kelsey. Thanks, sir, for the invite. I look forward to the conversation. Yeah, for sure. So what we want to talk about today, what is one thing that you suck at? Typing. I know (laughs) it sounds really lame, uh, especially for the industry that I'm in. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm horrible at typing. Even my wife makes fun of me. She says, I do the hunt and peck. I like hunt oh, and peck on mm-hmm. trying to find the keys. Uh, and it, it was just something that I didn't really think that I was going to really need later in life. When I was in high school, I was planning to join the Marines. Um, I wasn't really drawn to uh, writing. And mm-hmm. so I, wasn't, I didn't feel like I was a natural born writer. Uh, and then I went to culinary school. So I was either going to oh, wow. uh, fight bad guys or I was going <laughs> to cook for a living. There's no so in I between. never had no in between. So I didn't, I didn't pr- foresee a role in marketing or advertising, but here I am. I've been doing it for close to two decades. I'm very much drawn to the visual side of my job. I, I work a lot within PowerPoint. So there is still a level of typing and, and coming up with ideas and being persuasive. But if I had to take serious notes, um, I will probably grab a note pen, a note and a pad uh, before I probably decide to type. Uh, Yet I have made a big switch. I used to be very analog, but I'm very much digital. I'm kind of a minimalist. So if I can get away with just a laptop, that is kind of my direction. Yeah. One thing that I do sometimes is I like to write. Um, I'm not bad at typing. I'm so sorry, but <laughs> I'm pretty good at typing. But I like to write because I remember it better. And so I'll, I'll handwrite my notes and then take a picture of it. And I'll upload that image into the Google Doc file I have. And I know that's kind of not minimalist, but sometimes it's it helps me to write it instead of type it. Yeah, I've even seen, uh, I think there's a tablet out right now. I think it's called Remarkable if I'm remembering correctly, where you actually will handwrite all of your notes and then it becomes digitized and then you can upload it as a document or it becomes a document. That's that's always been fascinating. But even when I'm using my phone, I would almost rather uh, speech to text than type mm-hmm. it out. One, it's just faster, but two, I, I just that's the way that I just lean. Uh, now I'm I still can type and, and function with my job, but I'm just not great. And so I've met people who are amazing typers and I, I'm just so envious. Now, did you, did they, did you learn typing in high school? Cause that's when we started is like, yes, we learned typing in high school. Yeah. And I, for some reason, just either didn't take it seriously. I wasn't the greatest student. So I, if, other classes that I really enjoyed chemistry. I really enjoyed chemistry and physical education and history. Uh, but for some reason, the typing class, I just um, didn't take it seriously and, and didn't do well. So I never really learned the proper um, techniques. I did take a typing, an online typing class 
probably four or five years ago and I got pretty good. Uh, but then I just, I went back to my old habits. It just didn't <laughs> stick. I, I should have stuck with it. Yeah. In high school, we did uh, Mavis Beacon, which is probably like a super millennial thing, but that I loved it. I was such a nerd. I loved it. And I, but I think I always, I took to computers and electronics really fast. And, and that was just something I was always interested in. Like I joined eBay in high school and I still have the same eBay username, which is really embarrassing. But now it's like, (laughs) I don't even know how old, like 15 or 16 or 17 years old. So it's a good profile. I can't let that go. Yeah. Well, and I think part of it too, is I'm such a people person. I would almost rather get them on a zoom. I'd rather pick Mm. up a phone or go and meet with them in person. So I even still have a rule if if I think that I'm responding to an email that take might take more than a paragraph and a couple of bullet points, I may just opt to call them. And in a lot of cases, especially with when I've um, had people reporting to me within client services and and they'll come to me and say, hey, Jeffrey, I, I want to send this big, long email. It seems like the clients may be frustrated with the work. And my a lot of times I'll say, pick up the phone. Just call yeah. them because also there's there is a, a tendency that things are lost within type. Um, there's a, kind of a nuance. There is a tone of voice that gets lost. That's Even true. I do like to I do like to throw in emojis, if, especially if I feel like it might be taken taken harshly. I'll throw in a smiley face or a winky face uh, within text or even uh, an email just to mm-hmm. add a little bit of tone of voice. But a lot of times just because of my typing, but, and people being a people person, I'll lean to pick up a phone probably, uh, sooner than, than trying to get out everything onto an email. So you're really an introvert's nightmare because you're just going to call out of the blue. <laughs> yes, correct. Well, yes. Old, uh, older professionals actually don't mind talking on the phone, but I know that the millennials are not big fans of talking on the phone. My kids don't like talking on the phone. They'd much rather text. So I'm, I'm always texting with them. I just think though, so much is lost, um, within written text that, um, and then sometimes you get a chance to go a little bit deeper that maybe, uh, is going to be a little more difficult to do that over an email or, uh, written text. I think you're exactly right too, because there have been times when, you know, I'm working on a problem with my team and we're talking on Slack or whatever for, you know, half an hour or something. I'm like, we could have just done a zoom and, and figured it out really fast. I think with COVID it's a lot less terrifying for me to get like a sudden zoom zoom request from someone. Cause that's just how it's been. <laughs> and especially at, at NP digital, everybody's, well, I'm always been remote cause I'm in Kansas city. So I don't, I've never met any of my coworkers except for one person that I worked with before. So it is a lot better in that instance that we talk on zoom because we literally don't see each other in person. Mm. Now, I, I do like Slack. I love Teams. I do love the instant message apps because I think there are times when an email is too long or, or too long form or just is a little bit, even though some people say the instant messages is disruptive, mm-hmm. but sometimes just a, a quick instant message is so, so much faster and more efficient than trying to put together an email. And then it's something else that's in the inbox. I know there is inbox uh, stress or anxiety. 
Yes, so I, I do love instant messaging. The only time I don't like instant messaging is when it's fast and furious because, again, I'm a horrible typer. And so I'm not fast. Um, and so sometimes when someone's being, I wouldn't say aggressive, but there's there's a, a good banter going on. I'm not as quick uh, through text or through, uh, through typing. Now, the flip side of, of having to type slower because I'm not a great typer is it does allow me to sometimes think through the way that I want to word things. Sometimes I, I, if I am starting to lean a bit snarky, I will catch myself and go, okay, I'm going to reward this to be a little softer or a little more diplomatic. So there is a, a plus side to not being quick. I've, I've worked with some folks that are super fast at typing and super uh, quick witted. And uh, occasionally there's been some, some tears and not on my side, tears and crying and, and uh, frustration because they may have hurt somebody's feelings. So sometimes when I work with a team, I'll say, slow down. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if you're a quick typer or a great typer, slow down when you think through your communication because it's really important. Communication is such a valuable part of our, our business and per, uh, personal relationships. I agree. And I'm a really fast typer, like you said, almost to my detriment. So... <laughs> And, and I will type it out and then I'll go back and correct any time I misspelled anything. Um, but with like my close friends or my family, sometimes I won't correct it. And I just think it's up to them to decode what I said because <laughs> I, I try not to be on my phone a ton. That's something I'm trying to get better at this year mm-hmm. is to not just doom scroll and scroll and And so sometimes when I do look at my phone after I'm reading or, you know, we ate dinner as a family or something, I have 12 text messages and maybe some of that's from a group chat, but I'll answer really fast. So I don't get in this mode of, you know, oh, well, then let's check all the social media apps and everything. So I totally get it that that typing too fast is is almost just as bad as being a slow typer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I I have used my lack of typing as a way for me to build a bit more vulnerability and trust. So sometimes I'll tell my team, like if I have a brand new team, uh, Hey guys, I love working with you just, but just, I want to share something with you just to, you know, get for you to get to know me. I'm a horrible typer (laughs) and I'll, I'll, I'll just tell them right up front, uh, that I'm not great at typing. I, uh, you know, I will take notes for the meeting. I will capture all the you know great information we need for the for the client. Uh, but if you're looking for uh, you know uh, war and peace in terms of our notes, I'm capturing I'm capturing the essence. I'm not capturing <laughs> capturing every word. So if you're looking right. for a sonographer, I am not a sonographer. I am uh, get get the highlights, get the bullet points. But yeah, it, it's a way for me to at least build some some trust and admit something that I'm I'm not great at. I love that. Now, are you a are you a fast writer? Can you write really fast during a meeting? Or yeah, I well probably by necessity I've learned to be <laughs> be pretty quick. But even though, uh, so it's interesting because I actually had a teammate a couple of years ago, and he was a great typer, but he was so locked in on trying to capture every single word, uh, mm. his active listening just went out the door. So he wasn't great at being able to type listen and then okay what would be the next logical question so if a client was saying okay we're having problems with their website there's all these technical obstacles 
um, and we're not sure what to do. He'll capture all the notes perfectly, but he's not being able to actively listen and go, okay, is this a bandwidth constraint? Is this a technological constraint? Is there something that we can help out with? And so I had to kind of work with that teammate to say, it's great that you're taking very copious notes, but it is also at the detriment of you being able to actively listen and to be able to ask next questions. Because part of client services is really to ask, be able to ask really great questions, to yeah. dig a little bit deeper, uh, because sometimes what the client is telling you may not be the biggest problem. There might be an underlying problem or situation that we have to uncover. So that that was an, an instance where I had to work, kind of work with, with that one individual to take take good notes, capture all of the most important aspects that we need to be able to share with the team or to recap, but also leave room to, to listen as you're, as you're typing or to stop typing completely and just listen, be able to ask some questions and then maybe summarize back to the client and, and get those down on uh, within your notes or within an email. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, that I hadn't thought of that sometimes being really good at something can be to your detriment. Like you were saying about the individual you mentioned, they were so good at writing notes word for word, but that was to their detriment because they didn't actually hone in on, you know, the actual meeting or meet or main points of what the call was about. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, um, that's why I really love being able to have a project manager assigned to the, whatever team that I'm on. Typically you're, you're, they're great typists, um, but they have the ability just to listen and take notes. Whereas I can be actively listening and be able to follow up with questions or to dig a little bit deeper or to summarize what they're saying in a way that lets them know that they were heard, that we understood them and that we, want to come up with a solution for them. So if I if I have a, a teammate that can kind of handle that aspect of uh, of the client services role, I'm able to you know perform at a bit, a bit of a higher level. But when I have to take notes, I have to take notes and I, I just try to capture the best I can, uh, try to type as best as I can, uh, but then be able to actively listen so I can be that, that advocate for them. Yeah, now my husband, he will never admit this, but he's not a good typist. And to to watch him type is maddening to me or to watch him search things on Google. I just, I can't. And then, and, but he's a project manager. The reason why I thought about him. And so he has to take notes oh, a lot. I think he's fairly faster. I know when we first met, cause we met in college, he did a lot of hunt and peck typing and I kind of tried to help him. So I think he's had to get better out of necessity, like you said, because note taking is an important part of his job. But I don't, I think if you do your job well, like you're saying, and focus on the communication and picking up things that people are really saying, instead of trying to type everything out is, is really what matters. And so, you know, when it comes to typing, I think you using it as almost a thing to bond with the team about, you know, to say, this is something I'm not the best at. Um, here's what I am good at. It's really important. Mm, yeah. Well, so it makes me think of, as I was kind of thinking through our conversation, it made me think about career development and how, how do I continue to develop my career 
what areas do I lean in? Uh, should I lean in more because I'm, I have either some natural gifts and some excitement? And then what are areas that that investment maybe may not, may not pay off in the end? Hmm. So one of the areas that I love, I love asking questions. I'm really curious uh, and I love workshops. So over the past probably three to five years, I've really dedicated more time to understanding how to facilitate really great workshops. Of course, again, I, a lot of times in the, in the physical world, it's sticky notes, it's pencils, it's, it's a small amount of writing. As a, it's really you're capturing the essence. Uh, but I've really leaned into that because it just fit, you know, my kind of my talents. So when I'm thinking about working with colleagues that are younger or maybe they're on their second or, or maybe first job, um, you know, really getting to know them, really trying to get to understand what are their natural talents, what are areas that maybe could be improved. I think you, you shouldn't just say, well, I'm horrible at that. I should never improve. But what has probably the most upside for your career? What has the most upside for you to grow in your abilities and skills? Uh, so I, I do try to improve my typing, but I, I don't spend a lot of time on it because um, I see the bigger upside is is for me to be be able to think through problem solving and strategic frameworks and strategic um, workshops to help my clients. Yeah, that's a really good point. And as you were talking, I was thinking about are there careers? I was thinking, are there careers where there's not any typing? And I mean, even in things that are more active, <laughs> there. Not that yeah. you should go into that, but I'm just saying, like, like culinary. <laughs> But even someone who's a chef or a zookeeper or something, they still have email. And so you still are typing with email for the most, you know, in the most cases. So even someone who's an athlete probably still has to talk to their agent, you know. So it's it's funny to think about that, that typing really is something all of us do and and almost take for granted. Like, I've never thought, oh, my gosh, I'm such a good typist or typer or whatever um because it's just something i've done um but i think you're right it doesn't it doesn't necessarily cause a a career setback or make you bad at your job it's just something that you know you know that is one of your weaknesses and i think just knowing is is the biggest most important part yeah self-awareness um i um I've, I've done the strengths finder. I know that strengths finder is mm. not going to tell you that you're a bad typer <laughs> or a bad typist, but I do think that if you have a boss that can really give you um, some great one-on-ones and some mentoring and some development and really thinking through those, I, those areas that you can develop. And then just a, a level of self-awareness, just mm-hmm. being able to maybe step back and go, okay, is this a great career path? Is this, uh, is, do I have the innate skills that will be valuable? Now, sometimes some some careers or some jobs, they have kind of that it factor. Like it, you can't really quantify it perfectly. I think like sales, salespeople mm. sometimes have that thing that you yeah. can't really see on paper, but you put them in front of a potential client and their ability to be persuasive and to build trust. Some of that some of that's kind of difficult, but, um, I think career development and just being able to think through what will be valuable for your career, I think is important. The other thing I think is also, especially for anyone who might be earlier in their career, I tell my kids this all the time. Most of, uh, 
most of the people, most of the adults that I know that have pretty successful careers, a lot of them didn't find it until they were in their 30s. Huh. So my, my kids who are in, in high school and early college, um, they're like, Dad, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out exactly what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm like, you're 19. Like yeah. you have all of your 20s, maybe in the beginning of your 30s to figure out like what, what are you good at? Like what, what uh, you know, what kind of talents and skills uh, were you given and that you could bring to a company? But you, you may not find that for a while. My, my brother was pursuing a, a career in sports uh, and that didn't work out. And he, he actually now builds school, uh, swing pools and landscapes. He's an amazing designer, but he didn't find it till his 30s. Yeah. Um, I didn't find digital marketing until my early 30s. So, yeah, I think it's fun just the, the, the process of finding your career and kind of lining that career up with your, with your talents. But it may not happen right away. It might take some time. Yeah. Well, and I think to tie in, you know, the main thing of what we're talking about and find, you know, finding your career path and where you want to go, part of that comes with more self-awareness that you do have as you get older. And so it's been really funny or interesting, maybe not funny, um, to talk to people that want to be on the podcast and ask them, you know, what do they suck at? And some people have a laundry list of things that we have to decide. And then some are like, this, I want to do this. And they instantly know. Um, and I had someone ask me what mine would be. And I'm, and I thought, well, I know I'm not good at several things, but it took me a while to think of, of a few things that, you know, I would talk about. And so it's been really interesting to hear from a wide variety of people because I, I've on this podcast, I'm having my friends, people I've worked with, people I've met in the marketing industry, just like, wide range of, you know, ages and backgrounds and where they are in life. And so it's been interesting to see how fast some people are at automatically thinking of something. And then, you know, some people who don't have any idea, it's been really interesting and eye-opening to look at. Like one of my best friends from high school, or maybe we met in middle school, she wants to be on it. And so we're going to record that uh, next week. But she was she said, I'm really bad at texting people back. And I, since oh, I've known gosh. her for so long, I said, um, you're right. You are really bad at that. <laughs> and, and so um, I, I hadn't realized it starting this podcast, but it's, it's kind of almost cathartic, cathartic, I guess, for people to come on and, and think about this is what I'm bad at. And this is, I'm, that's okay. And even to think through their relationships with me and I can tell them if we're on that, that, you know, have that relationship that maybe we should talk about one thing over another. So, but I think with that comes like knowing yourself more as you're older and, and experiencing more things because once you've experienced more then you have a better idea of what you're not good at. I think a lot of times self-awareness also comes through being able to have those relationships in your life. To ask, you know, hey, is there a blind spot? Is there something that I think I'm good at or something I don't really, I'm not thinking about that that I should know about? So occasionally I'll ask my wife, like, hey, is there anything that I've done recently that was just really stupid? Or did I say something that was insensitive? And thankfully, she doesn't have a lot of feedback. But I just try to keep that that question top of mind about every three to six months with the people I'm closest to. Uh, 
you know, have I said something that was insensitive? Is there an area that I need to improve in? Is there something that I could, um, you know, think about uh, moving forward? And so I, I think relationships are so viable in terms of just personal and and professional development is just being able to ask people around you, like, what do I suck at? <laughs> How can yes. I get better? I love that. And I wish my husband would ask that question, but he, he probably knows exactly what I'm going to say. Um, since mm. we've been, we've been married for 10 years. So I think I harp on him on all the things that, um, he knows I would say. So that's, <laughs> I love that though. I love that. Cause I think it, I think it's scary to, to be confronted by the people you are with the most or the closest, whether it's personally or at work, what could I get better at? But I think even if you do, you probably likely know the answer. Or you, or you say, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, I think most of us, I would hope anyway, have the self-awareness to know what things they need to work on. Yeah. Well, again, it, it comes back to relationships. What kind of relationships are you fostering? Can you build those relationships that you can ask those questions? You do feel safe of being vulnerable. That's the toughest part is you're you're afraid of the answer um <laughs> yeah but it, it, it just it just takes time and feeling safe with people um yeah but it, a lot of it comes down to relationships yeah yeah because you need people in your life that you know will tell you the truth and that aren't afraid to tell you the truth that's the biggest thing is like you know i've i've heard stories from friends of you know who've dealt with other friends that have said Oh, so-and-so does this, but I could never tell them. I just would never say anything. And mm. I try to be really candid with my friends and those I'm close to. And I would hope they do the same for me. I think mm. that's really valuable to, to kind of have people around you that help you with perspective and how you come across to other people and what you could do differently or what also on the flip side, what you do really well too. Oh yeah. Oh, the affirmation, uh, that is so huge. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the five love languages, but one mm -hmm. of the love languages is words of affirmation. And I have a, one of my kids, it is, that is like his number one love language. So when I feel like he's just a bit down or just needs kind of a pick me up, I will think about something he's done around the house and just say, Hey, you did that really great. Or you took out the trash and I didn't even have to ask you like, that's so amazing but you said something that um reminded me of something you said how i come across and being able to have a safe environment to share i had a boss a few agencies ago who told everybody hey if you see me say something wrong or if you have any constructive you know feedback i want to hear it and he was in a meeting and he didn't realize it but he completely deflated this one person in a meeting because he was he was frustrated that we weren't uh, producing the content that we needed to produce that was valuable for clients. Mm -hmm. And he made a comment that just, just blew this person up and, but he didn't realize it. He didn't know. And so after that meeting, I walked right into his office and just said, Hey, you probably don't know this, but that comment that you made just totally blew up that person. And, uh, he was like, I did. And so, but he, he had the trust in me and he had the humility to, to hear it. And uh, ever since then, every, I mean, our relationship got bigger, but I had to tell him something 
that wasn't great. I had to tell yeah. them something. Here's something that you kind of suck at. Like you need to have a little more self-awareness about some of the relationships, some of the people in the room. Some people can take really harsh criticism. Others you need to, you need to serve it up a little bit differently. But I really appreciate it. He was a great boss because he, he was able to take criticism uh, and really apply it to his leadership, which was, which was great. See, now I was worried as you're telling that story, I was worried you were going to say he didn't take it well. Because a lot of people say, tell me if I do something wrong, and then you do, and they get so defensive. Yeah. So that's really good that he was actually lived up to what he said and, and was happy for the feedback. Because a lot of people, I think it's their gut reaction to be defensive. So I think how you explain it does make a difference for sure. Yeah. And I think so many, you know, as as... Uh, men and women are put into leadership roles. They they read leadership books. They listen to leadership podcasts. They see uh, leadership spoken at conferences, and they start taking all these suggestions. A leader needs to be transparent. A leader needs to take criticism, and they go yes. And so they tell their team, "Hey, I want constructive criticism, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be more vulnerable and more transparent." And but then they haven't really checked their their hearts and their minds to say, okay, am I ready to be transparent? Am I ready to uh, receive criticism? And then it happens and they're not ready. And then they have a bad reaction. So yeah, as a leader or just whether you're leading a company or leading a family or, or any, an organization, uh, I think being able to kind of, again, figure out like what you suck at and, but also be ready to, uh, are you prepared to take, you know, receive that criticism? Yes. I love that. Well, I think we're almost at the end of our time here. So one thing I've been enjoying asking my guests is if you could tell someone else who sucks at typing, um, you know, some, some, maybe not even some words of wisdom, maybe, you know, a comment on how their typing has, has affected you, if at all. I mean, what would you say? Oh, that is a great question. I, I, communication is so important. And being able to articulate your thoughts and feelings and ideas uh, through typing it is more powerful than you probably know. And so I, I would I would tell that that person that to continue to if depending on their role to continue to to figure out how important it is to your role and to continue to learn and grow in that area. But that that also don't beat yourself up too, too bad because it's not about the way that you do it, but what you bring to that communication. So even if you are a horrible typer, I would probably work on being more, being, uh, being able to communicate effectively, to communicate clearly, to be vulnerable in your communication, uh, to be able to take maybe even complex ideas and be able to distill them down or crystallize them. Mm-hmm. So I would say work on your typing, but maybe work, spend more time on on the way or the how you communicate because that, that will be more valuable than being able to type 70 words a minute. Uh, because if it's clear and concise and it's helpful to people, that's that's more important. So maybe don't beat yourself up too bad. <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. And if if you want anyone to reach out to you, where are you online? LinkedIn or you want people to just leave you alone? 
<laughs> I will respond to you by text or, or the, the written word. Uh, yeah, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jeffrey Wilcox and Jeffrey with a G. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at gdub underscore az. Uh, but those are those are pretty much the primary channels I play in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, be sure to subscribe and like all our channels. We're Story Shout on pretty much everything. And until next time, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Story Shout podcast. Don't forget to review us on iTunes and connect with us on social media at Story Shout or online at storyshout.co. Until next time. Stay normal.